not sending their best. That was the perception of one Twitter fan regarding me representing the Mises Caucus at Liberty Speaks in Delaware on the 4th of June, which I really enjoyed. I was happy with my speech and a lot of people laughed. But you can't please all of the people all of the time. You can judge for yourself because I'm including the speech here as episode 199 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. In fact, it's a point of interest, to me at least, that I was actually going to give the same talk, more or less, at a talk based on the same notes that I had given in Pittsburgh not long before this. And I didn't really have much time to prepare something new, but on the morning of the talk, I was like, no, fuck that, I hate giving the same talk twice. I'm just going to go up and talk about what I'm interested in and I'll bring up my notes and if, if anything from the previous talk is relevant, then I'll, then I'll go on to that. So you can judge yourself. Was my Twitter troll correct? Is this a subpar talk? For me personally, I enjoyed it very much and uh, a lot of the jokes were completely improvised. I'd never given them before, so I was really pleased with myself for thinking on my feet. I should mention... I've been hanging out in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. If you want to meet a bunch of great libertarians, it's an awesome place to hang out. If you can get away for a week, two weeks, a month, there's a couple of other places that are pretty cool nearby. Sayulita, San Francisco, Nayarit, and um, a fishing village to the south. I've not gone there yet, but I think I'm going next weekend. Boca de Tomatlan, however that's pronounced. So if you stay for longer, there is um, no shortage of things to do in the weekend. There's a huge libertarian community there. There's a Freedom Cells meetup. There's a cryptocurrency meetup. Mostly expats from Canada, including some famous people like Josh Sigurdsson from World Alternative Media, the guy who visited some very ancient archaeological sites and put video footage out of them for the first time ever. He was pretty big before YouTube zapped his account for no good reason. So I made friends with him. I'm going to try and see if we can do a recording with him and post that up soon. Yeah, great libertarian community to get plugged into. Good food, relatively inexpensive, definitely relative to America. I definitely recommend visiting Puerto Vallarta. And if you do, you can get in touch with me and I'll give you some tips. If you visit here in the next three weeks, you'll be able to meet me in person because I'm not going very far anytime soon. Anyway, on with the show. I heard there's some libertarians in the audience. Is anyone here a libertarian? <laughs> That's good, because if you weren't, I'd have to completely rewrite the speech. It'd be a car crash, disaster, who knows. I need to say thank you to Irene. Well, I'm actually, uh, I, I'm here in duress, uh, under duress. I, I don't mean in America. I mean at the event. <laughs> 
I was going to go to a Bitcoin conference in Miami. Boo, boo, boo. You didn't boo enough. Let's try that again. Bitcoin conference in Miami. But Irene was like, no, you're coming to Delaware. I was like, Jesus, if you want me that badly, I'd have to be a horrible human being not to come. I tricked you. I actually am a horrible human being. And I came anyway. More fool you. This is just, I've got no content. It's just all jokes for 25 minutes, honestly. Um, thank you, Irene, for bringing me here. It's been fantastic so far. And I'm about to speak, so things can only get better. <laughs> Let's face it. Um, thank you, Amy, for being such a great compare. And thank you to Ryan Bunting, who picked me up from the airport in Philly drove me down. It was a long drive, yeah. Especially for him, because he had to do it twice. <laughs> so this is just a little taste of how wonderful the community that you're all a part of, that you make, are. I turn up in Delaware. Someone picks me up in the airport, in Philly, someone picks me in the airport and takes me to Delaware. Someone insists that I come and speak at their event. I missed a flight in LA and a friend of mine in Vegas made a phone call and someone in the libertarian community put me up overnight so I could get a plane the next morning. When I was traveling to Seattle, I met, so I met a friend in Costa Rica and she said that I should come and visit her in Seattle. So when I knew I was going there, I went onto Facebook and I typed, my friends in Seattle. And boom, I knew four or five people. One of them said, oh, I'll get all the libertarians together. You've got to come down and speak. And he arranged an event for me to speak at. Um, traveling the country, meeting you all, I've got f not just friends, but family all over the country. I've been embraced as an outsider. Uh, and I don't think that that's peculiar to me. I think that's the quality of individual that this movement attracts. Thank you. So I'd like you to look to your left. Sorry to anyone that's on the far left. And seriously, I'm very sorry to anyone who's on the far left. <laughs> now look to your right. Same joke, except for, for people on the far right. Fuck him. <laughs> this is your community. But it's like, 
I told this story before in Pittsburgh, so sorry to anyone who's in Pittsburgh, Amy. Same jokes all night, by the way. So if you were in Pittsburgh, you might as well. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Walter Block tells a story. He's, a, for anyone who doesn't know, he's a prominent libertarian economist of when he once asked Murray Rothbard, who, if you don't know, was a student of Mises, who Michael Heiss mentioned, and laid down a lot of the groundwork for the philosophical underpinnings of libertarianism. Walter Bloch said to him once, how many libertarians do you think there are in the world? And Murray Rothbard said, eh, I don't know, about 24. So just look, this is just Delaware. We've got more libertarians at this event than Murray Rothbard thought there was in the world. And he didn't, he didn't get down about the fact that he was in the minority because he believed that the truth would win out all over time. And I think when I first got into libertarianism, I was, uh, this is something I want to talk about actually, the online versus offline thing. I, I went down the rabbit hole of, actually it's quite a funny story. I started putting out, well it's funny to me, um, if you don't find it funny, then just pretend it's funny for my benefit. Go, Because oh, if I lose my confidence and swagger, my show doesn't work. Like, my, my whole, like, onstage persona is based on me thinking I'm fucking amazing and you guys tacitly agreeing with me. So please don't puncture my ego. That's why I just come up with all this shit. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> you know, like, that little demon on your... the little angel. It's just like both of them are assholes. <laughs> on my shoulder. They just say things to me and I just repeat them. You've all got guardian angels. It's just you piss them off. So you need to defer to mine. Uh, where was I? I'm sure I had a story there. Yeah, I started putting up some videos on YouTube because I had the same freaking conversations again and again, political conversations, and I thought, I know, I'll just put it on YouTube. And then when someone says the same stupid thing, I'll go, hey, I made a video about that. And all these libertarians came in and gatecrashed me and they were like, you're wrong on this and that and go and watch this video and that video. And I, 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 did, I wasn't an easy sell. I took like a, a year or two, but like I, I couldn't take the inconsistency of my previous views and they ground me down until I became this monster. Um, and... A lot of, uh, like, who else got their libertarian education online? Yeah, quite a lot of people. Who, half and half, what does that mean? Books as well. Yeah, I, I actually never considered writing on libertarianism until I started reading the books that libertarians were suggesting would get us into them. And then I thought, uh, it's gonna be hard to sell our ideas with this book, so I wrote one. It's going for sale over there. It costs money for me to come to these events. So after the show, you go over to the table, you remove your wallet from your pocket, 
You take out a large sum of money and put it in my hand, and then I sign the book for you. What do you do? <laughs> Let's go through it again. I'm just kidding. But buy the book. So, um, books are good. Uh, but the thing is, the only... Most of the philosophical groundwork has been laid down by Mises, Rothbard, the great economist Anthony Samaroff, and what have you. So right now it's really this, it's the community that we really need to bring people into. Because when people leave leftism or they leave republicanism, they're not just leaving a political ideology. They're gonna put themselves at odds with their friends and their family. So you need to be there to provide a family for them to come into. When they come to a meetup, they're like, you know what, these guys are pretty freaking cool. And then if someone has an issue or a problem or something they want help with, for example, I'm not saying that anyone is, but supposing, I don't know, someone wanted a residency in the United States, you'd be able to come to your local libertarian gathering and tell people what you need, and then they'd be like, well, I'll send a message through the network and find someone who knows someone who knows someone. Because this is what society was when the state was small. You couldn't rely on the state to take care of you and wipe your butt. So you needed to know your neighbors. You needed to engage in your community. Now, you can just isolate yourself because who are you gonna call? Ghost, bust, no. <laughs> the welfare state. Woo. <laughs> last, last time I had the, the, the Darth Vader theme. But tonight, is, I swear to God, I just make this shit. No, it's not me. It's the devil guy. If anything I said offended you tonight, I really, really mean it. <laughs> so, community is good, government bad. See you later. Bye. Right, so the thing is, before online, the reason why I bring up online is, before online, I love online. I love it online. Can get lost in there for hours. But the thing is, you had to open the door, walk outside, and go somewhere to be part of a scene. If you were into Dungeons and Dragons in 1982, you're going to get your ass kicked by the jocks, right? But now, fucking go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the kids are into these days. A million geeks, as far as the eye can see. You'll be right at home. Anime, com comic books aren't even uncool anymore. You're the douchebag if you don't go and see the next Iron Man movie 
or whatever the kids are into these days. So the thing is, it's very easy to retreat and find your subculture online. That's why I'm so grateful to people like Irene who are organizing events like this, where we can meet each other and come together and get to know each other face to face and sell books. They're great, by the way. You should buy one. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, uh, it's people, when you come together, you feel your power. The power uh, is not like a addition thing, like five plus five. It's like a multiplication thing, like five times five. And it, it, it breaks through a lot of the antagonism and it, between people who d have different opinions. You know, you've probably alienated some of your friends. I'm just really fucking tempted to go there if you had any. <laughs> because you're libertarians and <laughs> I know what you're like I'm like you uh, it's like uh, I, I sorry alienating the audience is my shtick um, but uh, by having your political opinions and broadcasting them on Facebook and for a while, people tolerate you and they debate, and then sooner or later you get into a breathtaking antagonism and one of you feels motivated to delete the other one. The great thing about face-to-face -face is you can talk about other things, like how's your wife? What do you want to do with your life? Have you built that sculpture yet? What are you doing with yourself? Connect with people as human beings, and then you've got that sense of goodwill so that when you get into political debate, you're not turning each other into these objects that are, you know, like, I'm like a really nice person until someone is wrong on the internet. How dare you be wrong on the internet. You are the cause of all of the pain <laughs> and suffering in the entire universe, ever, because you're wrong. <laughs> Why do people have to have wrong opinions? Why can't they all have the right opinions like me? <laughs> then we'd all get on with each other because everyone would have the same opinions as me and you can't fight if you think the right things. So, so <laughs> but it feels like that. It's like, oh, you, you fucking, uh, yeah. Fuck! <laughs> it is. It's like this breathtaking antagonism. So I've spoken to people that I don't agree with, and now they're dead in my basement. <laughs> Just kidding. 
They're still hanging out in the pragmatic caucus. Shh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, I like, I like them, even though they hate my friends. Like, Nick, Nick Sarawak is like their Darth Vader, according to some people. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying... Dun, 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 dun. Right, okay. I had a great chat with him. And he's got some good points. Like, you know, you go to a protest and you all vent your spleen and then things just go back to the way they always were unless you have some kind of strategy. So I like to talk to people who don't necessarily come from the same place that I do and try and actually understand how they see the world. I, I will happily go to pragmatic caucus event, uh, what's the cathedral caucus, I'm having fun speaking to them, they've got the best memes ever. I don't know if anyone knows who the cathedral caucus is, but this is a joke because like very pure libertarians call the establishment the cathedral, like you know the universities, the mainstream media. So there's a caucus that doesn't like the Mises caucus that called themselves the cathedral caucus, which is hilarious. And if the Mises caucus lose, it's because they're just not fucking funny enough. So, so they have, the cathedral caucus have these great memes like, uh, what's, oh, they have a really, really good one. Uh, uh, some, a very well-known podcaster has no, been known to call them the loser brigade. So they just got badges that say loser brigade on them. They've got badges, they're, they're a, so... Humor, that breaks down a lot of tension in conflicts. If you can make, that's why I have to make you laugh all the time because otherwise you'll hate me. Because I'm not a very likable person, frankly. The sense of humor is all I've got going for me. So what I like, what I suggest you do is before you try and change someone's mind, just make sure they have one first. Right, but that's not why I'm saying. <laughs> because don't waste your time arguing with people who are just antagonistic and don't want to change their mind because your time and energy is limited and it will make you hate them and also yourself for being so nippy and fiery. Beyond that, before you try and change their mind, see if you can ask them a few questions and figure out how they see the issue. When someone says you the, something you disagree with, see if you can paraphrase it. Say, if I get you right, do you believe this? And even just trying to demonstrate that you understand where you're coming from takes a lot of antagonism out of interactions. Once you've got a full picture of how they see the issue, then you can find the right angle to challenge them. If you shoot from the hip, I just came up with that, I thought it was excellent. Uh, let me try again. If you shoot from the hip, it was better the first time. You should have clapped. <laughs> then you, you just, you're, you're, just, you're just not going to, you're just going to miss the target. So 
I guess I want to say a little bit about why I'm here, not the event, we already know that. Um, Irene promised to release my family if I <laughs> came to Delaware instead of Miami. Uh, but uh, yeah, I left Scotland in October. Just to get into the USA, I had to spend two weeks in Mexico, which just should never happen. No, I'm just kidding. It was great. It was very sunny. Uh, I'm, I just said that for laughs. Uh, I will throw anyone, anything, any nation under the bus uh, for the purposes of self-aggrandizement. But it's weird because why are you more likely to come in from the UK with coronavirus than from Mexico? They don't know what I did in Mexico. They don't even want to know what I did in Mexico. Am I right? <laughs> I went to a yoga retreat. Okay, so that's weird, right? I would like, between events, it would be nice to go home for a couple of weeks, give my mom a kiss, see some of my friends, drop some of my stuff, change the clothes, drop off, but, but no. If I go home, there's a chance that I need to spend 10 days quarantining in a government-approved hotel on my dime, except for it's not a dime, it's a 10 pence piece. And then, if I want to go back into the USA, I need to spend two weeks in Mexico again. What the actual fuck? Right now, to leave Scotland, you need a government-approved excuse. You're not allowed to go on vacation, it's illegal. So, it's weird though, because when I left, it was like, the summer broke and people were out on the streets having their cheeky half pints of cider because they opened up for the first time. And they pulled all the tables in because they had limited capacity and put them on the street. And it was actually, believe it or not, it was sunny in Scotland. Doesn't happen often. But um, then they introduced a mask mandate. And we're like, why? This is like meant to be finished. Why are they bringing in a mask mandate at the same time as opening? Oh, because it wasn't finished. In hypnosis, they have a technique called fractionation, which is if you want to bring someone into a trance, you, you can't just bring them v very deeply into a trance. You need to bring them a little bit in, then you take them out, then you can hypnotize them deeper, then take them out, then you can hypnotize them deeper. And this is like a feature of the human psyche. You know, we flirt this way. If you're just too intense with the girl, then it's, it's too much. It's really a lot of tension at first, and it's kind of sexy, and then, you know, you just need to go. So you kind of flirt, and then you take a step back, and then you flirt a bit more, ha, 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 have a kind of a casual conversation. Next thing you know, you're married, and you got fractionated into a relationship. You know what I say? I need to wrap up. Why get married when you could just find a woman you don't like and give her half your stuff? <laughs> anyway, so we live in wild times because of all this hypnosis and people believing nonsense. So what I'm saying is get out the freaking house and embrace your community.
You can clap now. Before I go, one more thing. Uh, when I was talking about seeing the other person's side of the argument, you know, the great philosopher John Stuart Mill said, he who knows only his own side of the argument knows little of that. I got a lot of flack for writing the Universal Basic Income for and against book, but it's a good example, I think, of trying to be able to demonstrate your understanding of your opponent's position before... <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I'm traveling here. Uh, everything costs money. If you give me some money for a book, I promise I'll write something funny in the cover and it really helps uh, keep the lights on around here. Except for around here is my house. Thank you very much. Hope to see you all for a chat.